Thank you so much. Thank you. Praise the Lord. This is a day that the Lord has made, and we rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you so much. You know, uh, the moment I enter in, you know, they will just sell you a so thankful. Say thank you, thank you. You know, for coming. But I want to say, you know, instead back to you, you know, to uh, Wesley Methodist Church, the family here. Thank you for receiving me. I just felt, you know, such a a warm reception, and I felt like, you know, um, just the moment I step in, you know, so friendly. So thank you. I'm so privileged to be here speaking for you this beautiful Sunday morning uh, on the Mother's Day, right? Talk about Mother's Day, you know. Um, I am just also very thankful the moment I came in and they gave me this note and I realized, oh, I can have at least an hour because initially I thought I only have 25 minutes. So I say no jokes, no side talk, just go straight. But I feel it's important even as uh, coming here to bring a message. It's not just, you know, say the Lord, I'm here to give a talk. But we are here to connect hearts, right? Because God is a very relational God. But of course... Not here, I'm not a stand-up comedian, I'm not here, but I just felt it was interesting. Talk about Mother's Day, a day of a mother, alright. Um, I get, I got ready this morning, I was so excited, and because there's something, a message God has put in my heart, you know, kind of prepared, really prepared, get ready, my husband was getting ready, the car, put everything, you know, uh, ready in the bag, and I just, you know, uh, get into the car. I'm saying this because some of the mother can really relate, okay? Because I thought, wow, this is kind of smooth, you know? The kids are really blessing me. And my youngest daughter will say, all the best, mommy, and give me a kiss. I think, oh, this is such a good start. So I get into the car. Before I get into the car, lo and behold, I realized like my water bottle, you know, water bottle, it tipped over and it's like, it's not just a bit, it's the whole water bottle of 500 ml, just tip over and empty everything, the water bottle, and all the water was in my leather bag. Can you imagine? Oh my goodness, you know, as a mom, we will always tell the kids, right, oh, remember, you know, did you close your water bottle? Do you close it tightly? Do you put it where, right? Put it, you know, uh, hold it properly so that you wouldn't drop, you wouldn't, you know, uh, drip, whichever thing. And imagine, okay, because of that, my whole notes are wet. Yeah, I'm serious. You know, a very organized me, this is totally out of sync, really. I was thinking, oh my, so unprofessional. They will see my, you know, really, uh, thankfully not dripping with water, but it was wet. So I have to move from the front seat to the behind seat so that I have space to empty, clean up. And my husband was saying, don't worry, my gym bag, there's a towel, use that towel. Use that towel, wipe the bag, and Sally there was so nice, you know, text me, hi, good morning, Pastor Sharon. I didn't have time to text her back because I was like, you know, why I'm saying this, you know, welcome to a day of a mother. Sometimes might not be a mother. Maybe dad can relate to you, relate to that. But I want to share this is because sometimes we want really picture perfect, right? Especially maybe coming into church, ready, picture perfect, and family all pieces together, praising the Lord. But I love it so so much today, you know, even as we worship and praise the Lord, sometimes we might not be in so-called in that position, right? I could have like, you know, oh my, this is really where I was thinking, how am I going to flip? Am I going to see? I can't even slot it in that folder because it was wet, you know, but I shared this because as I was 
worshiping, you know, Lord, and just praising. And, and God really put it in my heart. It's not about us. It's all about Him. So I just want to exhort you, all right, dear family, a lot of time we feel so inadequate. I felt inadequate as well, though I'm prepared, but I just felt like this is not good. This is not professional. If they get to know this, they might be thinking second thought, you know, this is going to be the first and the last they're going to see me. And this is like, so not prepared. This is not the way we're going to, you know, as a people of God, as a minister, but I just feel God saying, you know, tell them your vulnerability because altogether God is good. It's not because we are good and we can always come before him, even how vulnerable, how inadequate we are. He's all together good. And so as I was, you know, worshiping and lifting up my hands, I was really telling the Lord, God, it's not about me. We're just vessel of mercy, right? Vessel of honor before him that he would speak to us, use us. And even this morning, I believe God has something really, really special to each and every one of you. So I just want to share, this is not even an introduction, but how the day, you know, not even a day yet, just that first few 15 minutes, you know, of the beginning of the day. So blessed Mother's Day, right? Because always we feel blessed Mother's Day. It have to be blessed. It have to be so smooth going. It has to be, you know, there is no fast. It have to be but interestingly, you know, yet we can be in the midst of the storm. God yet can speak peace. So I just sense, you know, that today, this morning. So a little bit about myself. Thank you. I think there has been an introduction. Yes, I want to acknowledge my pa- my pastor. I was calling my pastor, my Lord, my husband, all right, my buddy, okay, Pastor Timothy Chong was in our midst. Thank you so much for coming. It was a surprise because he's also a pastor of Cornerstone Community Church. He actually um, requests, you know, uh, like, especially excuse himself and to be here for me. Yeah, I want you to put a hand, especially for mother, not just for my husband, but I think even as we celebrate this day, the Mother's Day, we want to, as a mother, as wife, we want to put our hand to the husband, to our husband, to to those who have been a support, even to our children, who very much is a support and a pillar to us, right, in this journey. Shall we? The mothers in this house, let's look at your husband, whether he's by your side, let's put our hand, okay, to thank them. So it's not just about us for the mothers. It's not about our rights. Today is our day. But truly, we want to be thankful for the people around us who have been the support and the love, you know, in our life. So we will be celebrating our 22nd wedding anniversary this year. Yeah, and we are blessed, you know, uh, with four daughters. So let me just show you, yeah, picture of my family. Um, four beautiful daughters. I have Jokey back. She's 18. Hadassah, 15. We have, our, we call it our little baby, Johanna. She's nine this year. And also Jordana. She's not in the picture, but she should be, she will, should be, or it is, is 20, you know, turning 20 this year if she's still alive. Uh, as mentioned, I was the former children's church pastor 
in Cornerstone for the last 18 years, and now I serve as a lay pastor. I always imagine what it is going to be like to empower the next generation, the children, the youth for life, and what it's going to take, you know, for that. Because I believe lies in them are really the seed of potential, the solutionary, the innovator of their day and age. Imagine, there could be jobs, you know, and uh, inventions that we can't even imagine in in I mean, imagine that's going to be created by this emerging generation. Don't you think so? A lot of jobs are actually no longer relevant, right? Not talk about 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, how the COVID had reset a lot of things. How much more, you know, for this coming generation? So this is my family. Yeah, pardon me, okay, in case you see me, how was she flipping this um, wet paper notes, okay. So, what happened in, in 2021, I felt a challenge from the Lord to start up, you know, a life coaching for kids and youth, integrating my pastoral experience with spiritual principles and also neuroscience and childhood psychology to coach and equip the next generation. That was how, with that, as mentioned, you know, Jam Brave uh, was birthed and it's a ministry in the marketplace. Um, I call it Jam Brave, a generation of brave ones, for they are called for such a time as this. Right. I want to share a little bit, you know, to tie in with the sermon today. It's about my daughter, Jordana. This is a picture of her eight, eight months eight months old. Yeah, and another picture, if you see, while well, she was seven years old. Why want to share this piece of a story? Um, because it was in our Hong Kong trip, a trip to Hong Kong in 2010 together with the family that realized that something was amiss because we spent like almost like a week in Hong Kong, up close and personal. I kind of noticed, you know, like, hey, um, what we call like lazy eyes, right? Lazy eyes, like wasn't really squinting, wasn't focusing. So I thought maybe this is a bad habit. So I just have to correct her. But somehow this doesn't sit well on me. So after the trip, uh, we get, you know, her to see an audition. The audition, oh, don't worry. You know, Mrs. Chong, it's okay. You know, it happened when kids are seven years old. Sometimes the muscle, right, the eye muscle is not fully developed. So got her to wear an eye patch, right, to reinforce, you know, it because it was on the right side of her eye. So reinforce that, you know, by um, having the patch on the left eye. So we thought, okay, that might, you know, works. But uh, a month, later, I don't know, mother, you know, we had this instinct, right? Like, check, still do not know what is it, you know? And yeah, just just think, maybe just go for a check. I didn't feel like it's immediate, you know, I have corrected the sight or the way she look at things. So in about April, went to see an eye specialist. The eye specialist did a check, you know, quite a detailed thorough check and dilate the eyeball and everything and say, we don't really feel, no, there's anything wrong, but, but then told us, how about, you know, for, you know, maybe there's something on the optic nerve, which is behind the eyeball, maybe something that need to correct and perhaps need a surgery. So before we do that, maybe what we want you to do is that to do an MRI scan. We didn't think anything, um, serious about this. Say, better be safe, right? If you want to touch the optic nerve, you do want to know what is behind. So, arrange, you know, the eye specialist arrange a MRI scan. So, we went for the MRI scan. I really don't suspect anything. I think what can go wrong with an MRI scan? So, when we got the report, 
we could see a seriousness in the eye of the eye specialist, and the eye specialist was telling us, I don't think, you know, I will be the person you need to to look you know, for me, I would really want to refer you to a, a neurospecialist, a neurosurgeon. But think of neurosurgeon. Neurosurgeon means brain, right? What has it got to do with the brain? Say, um, you you bring the report, and they will tell. He will tell you a little bit more. So went to see the neurosurgeon, and he explained. He lift lift up the report and and show us, and we can see on the brain there are like few spots. What we can know, you know, lay people like few spots. So what can be the few spots gone wrong? He said, okay, the few spots, we wouldn't know anything unless we have to do a biopsy. Wow, a biopsy, because the few spots can be blood clot, the few spots can be tumor, might not be, because there was really no telltale sign. Honestly, I mean, there wasn't like telltale sign of her feeling faint, faintish, weak, or anything. We couldn't. So we say, sure, let's do a biopsy. See, right? It's just step by step. And of course, you know, as it before we knew it, like April, May, she has to kind of, she's just primary one and she has to do one biopsy. And from one biopsy, from that biopsy in May, which is really this around this month, okay, this period, about 13 years ago. So that still bring memories to us. In a sense, that was that moment that from the biopsy, the doctor has to tell us, we are so sorry, this wasn't just a blood clot or that. It was, she actually had brainstem glioma. Brainstem glioma basically at the tumor that rests on the brainstem at the back of the brain. So it wasn't somewhere that can be operated, but you can only go through treatment. So it was really, really very shocking. But I want to share, you know, this um, journey as I open my heart, you know, to you as a family this morning is that um, during this process, it was very interesting. This little girl in 9 July 2010, she wrote, you know, on a journal, she wrote this, maybe a, bit, a little bit, you know, blur, but let me read out to you. On this journal, she said, you know, I know I am loved because God take care of my worries. I want to follow Jesus. Jordana is running to Jesus and Jesus is running to Jordana. So, you know, it's a really heartfelt note for me. There's such a strength. And of course, you see a picture of her, you know, um, drawing the palace that was like the Disney because that was like our very last trip also her final trip, you know. Yeah, so she drew the whole family. That was in this stage during the kind of like a last stage. She wrote that, and I want to share this, like you could see the progression of her not having a hair because... She's kind of like a bob hair because of the biopsy, the operation, just have to shave it, you know, shave. And, and, and how we see that writing on God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. This is always, you know, something that always engraved in front of me. It wasn't just a word from God, but as this girl was writing it, it was actually through her non-dominant hand because as a tumor, even as we gone through for the treatment, um, it was for a moment able to shrink it, but it, the doctor did prepare us because it's on the brainstem. It will grow in time, you know, because it's rather as aggressive. She's already in the fourth stage, even while we found out about it. So, 
So when we fall out, and, and of course, this is something that you drew and you wrote on this, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. It wasn't when she's at the fittest, the strongest. It was when she's writing it from a left hand, which is a non-dominant hand, because the dominant hand being the right hand, like I said, the tumor is resting on the left side. So all the motor skills, the muscle in this is totally not able to. So that was where during those period where she has had to stop school, she get to writing, get to drawing, all from a non-dominant hand. I find such a strength and I feel how God can use that sometime in the midst of our trial through a little girl, right? And like any mom, right? We had our dreams. I had my dreams, my aspiration for my daughter, envisioning myself journey with her from cradle to adulthood. I was looking at the size of the giant in front of me, right? I felt like I was in a boxing match. Sometimes we feel that, right? When we were not just going through with our child, but it could be also when in the midst of such a challenge, I felt like totally unprepared and I was like beaten left, right, center. The, but the internal struggle ceased, you know, the very moment when I yield to the Lord and, and a song of the Lord came to me and this is all is well, all is well, you know, in my soul. I just have to lay it down before God. It was painful, yet there was such a divine exchange of rest. Peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, no trouble, no hard work. It, it means to be in the midst of all those things and yet, you know, we can still be calm in our heart. So I want to deliver that, especially I feel to some mothers here. Sometimes in the midst of things, that could be God is saying in the midst of all this, you could still find rest and peace in the heart. And so on 25th of October 2010, Jordana was taken home to heaven. The moment she took her last breath on earth, she took her first in heaven. We have not felt honestly destroyed by it, but in fact, you know, felt really deepened by this whole experience in terms of our walk with God. Grief has also given me, both my husband, you know, Tim and I, a new understanding of heaven and the purposes of God. There is such a, a great sense, you know, of resolve that we want to run this race together well, you know, this race together as a family because our daughter, Jordana, is cheering us on. We learn to honor the struggles and to appreciate life in a whole new um, dimension. So that is really, you know, interesting, even as we talk about the next generation, and that brought me to the message, you know, and sometimes in our grief, we can forget to look up, right, and see that God is also looking at us too, and He knows our pain even better than we do, and courage doesn't always roar, right? Sometimes courage is just a quiet voice. At the end of the day, you know, saying, I will try again tomorrow. So memories remain. We have all moved on. Our children have all grown up well. Somehow tuck in our hearts. We miss our daughter, Jordana. But there is so much hope in that. Knowing that, you know, 
in a sense, it wasn't a goodbye forever, and we will see her later. So, losing a child, losing a child, it does cause a unique kind of grief. Not only there is this loss of a child far too soon, but the loss of all that could have been and the dreams that you could have imagined. Yeah, I hope I'm not spoiling your beautiful morning, you know, with this sob sob story. It wasn't, but I just want to um, share it, be vulnerable. We all go through stuff in life. But how that could be, like I shared in this picture of a pearl. You know, this is a picture of a pearl that I want to show you right now. You know, how pearl is being formed. And it returns, you know, get into, right, uh, this oyster or a clam. And as a defense mechanism, they deposit a coating on the irritant. And likewise, we can't avoid unpleasant situations. And we will experience trial in this life. And we are holding because I could see every one of us do have a pearl in our hands. We do, right? It's how we see. We are holding this greatest treasure in the palm of our hand when we say a yes to Jesus. Because the moment you say a yes to Jesus, a yes to salvation, a yes to receive Jesus into our life, it wasn't just a yes and a passport to heaven. But it's a yes to the trial in this life where God will say, I am more than an overcomer through Christ who strengthened me. How can we overcome unless there are trials, there are challenges, there are tribulations. And so, but our story doesn't end there. And it says in this, you know, the picture of this Paul, each of us must decide what are we going to do with this treasure? What are we going to do? Do we keep it only in our hearts? Right? Nobody should know it. Or do we lock it up in a keepsake box like a safe? Or do we generously and graciously share our treasure with others? So likewise, this morning, I'm here sharing with you this treasure. It might look like a pain and a grief, but yet Christ in us, the hope of glory. It also makes sense where things could or may happen, but yet this treasure, it's what is our response to it as each of us are holding it, you know, in our hands. And that brings me to our sermon title for today as we are as a tie, you know, about raising the next generation in God's ways, not our ways. Because oftentimes, as in my pursuit, you know, of contending for the next generation, I really learn something. Sometimes it's really not by our mere effort, our mere love, our sure effort, which I have been pastoring for the last 18 years. But there are times God will even challenge the very, very passion. It can become like, you know, a, a grain of wheat that has to fall on the ground, that it will not remain, but it will will die and therefore bear much fruits. While saying so, I don't want to scare you into thinking, well, does it mean I raise the next generation? Something tragic just going to happen, you know, my way, my family. No, it doesn't mean all right that way. What I mean is, you know, even in the midst, you know, of the, like at the tunnel, you're going to see as you walk through it, you're going to see like, like the treasures in your hand, still trusting Lord, the Lord, laying it down, but at the same time, 
giving it all to God and the light at the end of the tunnel. Let's read this together in Isaiah 41, 4. Shall we? We read this aloud together. One, two, three. Who has performed and done it? Calling the generations from the beginning. I, the Lord, am the first and with the last, I am he. Amen. That's right. In Isaiah 41, 4, we learn each person is brought forth, all right, within their generation for such a time as this. You are important. I want to say that even we talk about the next generation, it doesn't mean, you know, we always think it's the young ones, it's the emerging generation. But no, you are important. The generation before you are important, around you, and those that are yet to come are just as important, even as we're talking about raising the next generation. It's also relevant for each and every one of us. And the exciting thing is, you will discover that you can, you can influence the present, and the future, and inherit from the past. So, why did God then create generations? I'm so glad you asked, right? So, there are six reasons, all right? Let's just quickly, you can look through the scriptures. First, the scriptures tell us His throne is from generation to generation. So, this is the heart of God. It is from generation to generation. It is not something like a church thing, you know, a church ministry thing, the burden of the pastor, oh, to have a, a generation, a next generation ministry. It's not. It is God's heart because His throne is from generation to generation. The scripture says that you, O Lord, remain forever. Your throne is from generation to generation. Right? Amen. Secondly, His salvation and mercy are from generation to generation. Praise the Lord. Right? Isn't it? Because even in Isaiah 51, 8, that says how God's salvation and mercy is from generation to generation. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. Well, amen, right? Praise God. So the third point is... His dominion is from generation to generation. Let's read this aloud, okay? In Daniel chapter 4, verse 3, that demonstrate how God's, you know, dominion is from generation to generation. Let's read that aloud together. How great are His signs and how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and His dominion is from generation to generation. Praise God. So we see, right? God's throne is from generation to generation. God's salvation and mercy is from generation to generation. And His dominion is from generation to generation. Wow. And God just doesn't stop there, right? In point four, the plans of His heart are also to all generations. So praise the Lord. When we talk about the next generation, we are that generation. We might not be that emerging generation because it says to all generations. And it says in Psalms 33, 11. Let's read that together, okay? Psalms 33, 11. That says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Wow, isn't that amazing? 
And the fifth point is his renown, the fame, God's fame of his name is endures through all generations. And that's the heart, okay? And it, this can be found in Psalms 102 verse 12. Shall we read that together? Alright, we declare God's word together. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever and the remembrance of your name to all generations. Truly, generations may pass, but God's name, His fame is known throughout all generations throughout throughout history so his name is the name that has been and will be on the lips of every generation and that's the purposes of god god doesn't just stop there and i want to say okay this is really going to be encouraging for parents because god actually do say his faithfulness is from generations to generation so if god has been faithful to you be assured his faithfulness is from all generations to generations generation and we can find this in psalms 119 verse 90 let's read it okay your faithfulness endures to all generation you establish the earth and it abides right so we see okay very quickly from this six points there's no doubt about it that god has big plans for the generations right with a capital s at the end generations okay everything god does right he does for a purpose and the generations are part of his perfect plan like what you know billy graham shared in this every ge generation is crucial and every generation is strategic so if you are here for such a time as this whether as a single and whether as a student whether as a son a daughter or a parent whichever all right stage of our life you are in this generation you are in this time it is crucial and it's strategic because god has chosen each generation he has set his love on each one so the generations all right do not just roll on and on with no, no sense of destiny and purpose. It wasn't, it is not planned to be this way. But rather, the generations are intended to be interdependent, right? Because from the bonding in the spirit, we will begin to love the generation around us and seeing as part of God's plan. And that brings me to the generational, what we mean by the generational authority and impact. Having heard that, right, six point, we don't need much convincing already, right? That it is God's plan. It is God's heart, you know, from generations to generation. Then how do we go about it, right? As, as a sermon for today is impacting raising the next generation god's way so very quickly we just want to look at the scriptures for really examples we could read on and how we can perhaps you know apply it you know in our life and the first one every one of us do know timothy and paul interestingly for the life of timothy and paul as we could read in the scriptures in 2 timothy 1 5 when 
You know, Paul said to Timothy, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwells first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. Very interesting. For the life, you know, as you can see, you know, of Timothy and Paul, there is such a spiritual inheritance or heritage, right? Legacy in the life of Timothy. His faith was nurtured by two preceding generations, right? The grandmother and the mother in which gave him such a foundation, even Paul says, such a foundation which Paul was able to build on. Timothy was able also to relate to an older man as could see much older and received the wisdom and the counsel from Paul because he already knew what is the value of listening and serving those older than himself. So listen up. I could see some young faces here, right? So this is a good model, right? Find your Paul. What? Who are your Pauls in your life? Receive the wisdom. Right? The counsel. Because Paul saw the fruits in Timothy's life. Timothy was also a blessing to Paul because we learned that he helped Paul with the ministry, right? God has given him and was able to continue Paul's vision. As Paul got older, he was dependent also on Timothy to further the work that he had begun and remain his most loyal friend. So this is a model, all right, that we we'll see about impacting the next generation, how to raise them God's way. One could be a Timothy and Paul, just as Paul had needed, you know, Timothy had needed Paul, Paul needed Timothy. So if we neglect to pass on to the next generation, all that we have will die actually with us, our vision, our anointing, and our dreams. So that is really important and worth um, noting because as we have, you know, um, learned, if we neglect, all right, here it says, if we neglect to pass on all that we have, as I mentioned, our dreams, our visions, the anointing, you know, we'll just pass on along even with us and let it not be so, okay? Because the next generation needs this spiritual nurturing from the older generation in the same way that they need the nurturing in other areas of our life, okay? So let it be so that we may, in one way or another, exemplify even this that we have seen in the life of Timothy and Paul. Secondly, we could also look at its Ruth and Naomi. Interestingly, in Ruth and Naomi, we can read this, right? Let's just read together, okay? In Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Wow, you could see there was such a strength, right? Of relationship that the younger woman was prepared, you know, to go with the older woman. And the older woman is caring for the younger. The younger caring for the older. So 
we could see one generation was created to love, support, and nurture the other. This is what God is looking for, like a lasting impact on the next generation, creating in them such a desire that even they would say, where you go, I will go, and your God will be my God. When the older generation impact the younger, what we do was that we create the faith and the vision, and we become their heroes. So their heroes are no longer what? The social media, the TikTok, the influencer. But we can become, because when we learn to sow in the seed of faith and vision to them. So let's cry out to the Lord and start how we can make a difference, right? Okay, so... Besides that, we can also see another one is David and Solomon. Very interesting, okay? David and Solomon, this will be more a father and a son relationship already, right? Just now we saw more a, do- a, a, a mother-in-law, a daughter-in-law, and then of course there are one Paul and Timothy. In this case, all right, that we see in David and Solomon, it is a generational modeling. All right, that can take place quite naturally within the family. Such a relationship can be called, you know, what we call maybe more in a church setting like mentoring, discipleship, fathering, right? In this case, like spiritual fathering, right? Mentorship. It is important because one generation, whether it's physical, really by physical relationship, you know, in a natural relationship, or whether it is spiritual, it is showing the other the way. God is looking for a generation that's worthy of watching because I believe the next generation are also watching. Watching our faith, watching our not just our talk, but our action, who will secure the testimony of Jesus on this earth for the generation to come. And the generation will respect, you know, their father, seeking counsel and wisdom, and they follow their footsteps. All right, let it be so that our life will be such an inspiration. First of all, to our own children, not only that, but extend to our community, community to our family, the children here, to the next generation, how we can pour in. Last but not least, I want to share on is Samuel and Eli. Totally not related, right, in this case. But very interesting. It is a powerful illustration of two generations living and serving God together, and they need each other. Eli was an instrument of peace, as we know, right, to Hannah as she cried out, you know, for a birth of a child. And later when she brought Samuel to Eli, and he gave him a home, even though his own children, okay, Eli's children left home and were not a good testimony to his fathering. Samuel then served Eli in the temple and was a blessing to him. Without Eli, Samuel did not recognize the voice of God. Yet without Samuel, Eli will not and might not hurt the message from God. So they needed each other. And it was a redemptive for both of them. God is raising up a generation who will make themselves available for the generation of children. Perhaps, you know, this morning as I was you know, sharing. You felt a, a nudge. You felt a stirring. I must do something for the next generation. Don't just drop it and say, I'm too old. 
I serve in Sunday school, children's church. I don't know whether I can or in the youth. I don't know whether, you know, I'm relevant. But don't dismiss that. It could start with prayer. It could start being, making yourself available. It could start because God can open those doors for you as we start. But don't dismiss because we hear this. If this is really a message, which I believe, you know, of all many, many messages, you know, on a Mother's Day, and God put this on your pastor's heart, you know, to have this message. Surely he's saying something that he wants to release a multi-generational blessings, heritage, inheritance in this church, right? So without a, what a challenge for the body of Christ, for us to mobilize an army from one generation to rescue another. And we need each other. I close with this. We are all custodian of the generations. We are all. Seriously, it wasn't just a duty of the youth pastor, youth leader, someone serving, you know. It wasn't in one way or another. Whether it's through your prayer, whether it's through you opening up your house that the young people can have like their home gathering or anything at that, or even offering food for them, feeding them. Little action like this speak volume even to this young ones. So the children belong to all of us. There is nothing, this morning we have learned, there is nothing in the word of God that absorbs us from the responsibility to the children. When I mean to the children, doesn't mean our children. Obviously, we are father and mother. We are responsible for them. But it means to the children, even a community, because we are all custodian of the generations. Because in Psalms 145, 145 verse 4 say, One generation shall praise your works to another. Praise God. One generation by their walk of love and obedience can secure the destiny of another. And I close with this scripture in Acts chapter 13, 36. It says here, But when David has served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Of course, we know in this case, they fell asleep. It wasn't like sleep, sleep per se, the night sleep, but he passed on. We are born to fulfill a purpose, not just any time in history, but perfectly placed in our own generation. We are not born a generation too early or a generation too late, but we are born for such a time as this. Perhaps this morning, all God's needs wasn't you step out and do something. All He needs, what is your yes? Perhaps God is just wanting your little yes because as you give your little yes to Him, He could turn it around because it's truly not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. I remember how Jem Brave was birthed, was my little yes to God when I said, when God put in my heart, Sharon, generation wasn't just your kids, wasn't just your 500 plus kids in Cornerstone. The next generation are the generations that yet to know God. They are outside the four walls and I do not know what I can do for them. What can I do? I'm a pastor in Cornerstone, a church pastor. There's lots of things to do, you know, but I give God that yes. And when the moment God takes that yes, and it was a journey. It might be not something I could share in full, but just a yes. And within the two years in 2021 up to now, 
I started ministry and now I'm reaching out to Indian family. I'm reaching out to Malay family. I'm reaching out to non-believing families that they will come to me. I don't introduce myself as pastor because they may not understand. I tell myself as Coach Sharon and they will come to me and say, I'm so thankful we found you. I'm so thankful you're doing this for my children. There's such a need. Sometimes we might not know what it's going to look like. I don't know how it's look like. I just say a yes to God when God showed me what the generation looks like in his heart. How does it look like for you? I don't know. You could ask. Let's respond to God as we close. I'm going to get, is it the worship team going to sing a song? Yes. Right. We'll sing a song and then we respond. Would that be good? Yes. Okay, come. Speak to us, Lord. Father, even as we are responding in such a manner, make wherever you are, can be the altar. Wherever you are seated, even this morning, you could be in the far end, you could be in the left end, you could be in the right hand side, you could be in the middle portion. The Spirit of God knows no distance. The Spirit of God is able to minister to you right there and there, wherever you are. If this tonight, this morning message, speak to it one way and another. And God is saying, what is your yes to me? What is that Paul in your hand? The palm of your hand that you are saying, God, I'm going to generously, I'm going to graciously share it, share it, share it around. And if that is you, as you lift up, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you could ask and even think of as you respond. You might not be the most Thank you. 